If you have your Bibles, would you open them, please, to the book of Job? It's uh, right in the middle of the Bible, right before the book of Psalms, the book of Job. And uh, it's, it's pronounced like Job. And so there it is, the book of Job, some people would say, but it's pronounced Job. Job chapter number one. This has got to be one of my favorite books in the entire Old Testament. It's got to be one of the most comforting stories of any story in the Bible. Uh, Many folks, I believe, flee to the book of Job when they're going through trials or valleys or suffering times. And uh, it is, by, by background, it is the oldest book in the Bible. Not chronologically, of course, Genesis is, but it was written before the book of Genesis was written by Moses. So here it is, the book of Job, written even before Job owned a Bible. Can you imagine? It's tough living on earth with a Bible. Can you imagine if you didn't even own a Bible to look at and get guidance? I don't know how he made it. Well, I know how he made it. He had God. And so let's look down in Job chapter 1. I'm just going to read just a few highlight verses. And it says, there was a man. Well, look at that. God knew the difference in the genders way back then. Unbelievable how smart God was. And he's, wow. He said, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was perfect. That means he was complete and upright. He wasn't a crook. He, was, he, he, uh, he, he walked uprightly. And one that feared, that means he respected God and eschewed evil, stayed away from evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. I guess he was pro-family. Uh, he was pro-life. His substance... That means he must have had a job. I guess he worked hard. He didn't wait on the government to give him a handout. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen. He was a businessman, import, export. He was a farmer. Uh, He had a, a, a trucking business, if you will, had camels and all these things. Verse four, and his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So the family got along. He had 10 kids and when they had a birthday party, they invited all the other kids. So somehow it was a happy family. Uh, They uh, knew how to celebrate and so forth. Verse 5, and it was so when the days of their feasting was gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning. And offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. And if you're raising kids right now, that would be a great verse to meditate on. It may be. It may be my kids aren't behaving. It may be. I mean, there's a possibility uh, they are sinning. And he says, maybe uh, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Notice another good child-rearing thought here. It's not just their actions, it's the attitude. And so it's not just they're obeying. You've heard the story, little, uh, little boy, his parents said, sit down. He sat down and he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And so you want to work on that attitude as much as the action. So here's Job. 
Job says, you know, it looks like my kids are doing good, but I'm going to have a sacrifice for all 10 of them. I'm going to pray and ask God to help them be right. Because it may be there's something going on I don't know about. It may be in their heart, they're not right. Uh, Outwardly, they're doing right, but maybe in their heart, they're not. So Job prayed for his kids. What a good guy. He loves the Lord. Looks like he's got a good marriage at this point. Uh, He's raising kids for God. He's industrial. He's a hard worker. What more could you ask for from anybody? Then Satan jumps in. He gets angry and uh, he's got a contest against God. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? So Job did serve the Lord. I'm not going to go into all the story. But uh, uh, somehow uh, Satan, uh, uh, Satan comes to the edge of heaven and says, God... He says, the only reason Job is serving you is because of your blessings. If you take away those blessings, I can get him to curse you to your face. And so God says, all right, contest is on. You can do anything but kill him. So the very next day, all of Job's businesses are taken away from him. The camels, the oxen, uh, the donkeys, everything is stolen. His servants are killed. Fire comes out of heaven, destroys everything that he has. He goes from living in Silverado Country Club to living under the bridge in one day. Not only that, his kids are having a party. They're feasting. And a whirlwind comes sent by the devil. The entire house collapses and crushes all 10 of his children. So now he goes from riches to poverty. From having children to every child gone. His wife turns to him. I'm sure she had a nervous breakdown. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Man, what a story. What a story. That's why we flee to the book of Job. No one's ever been through something quite like this, this fast. And then Satan goes to God and he says, look at that. God says, look at this. You've you've killed his kids. You've uh, destroyed his business. You've made him poverty stricken. But look, he still serves me. And Job said, if I can take his health away from him, I can get him to curse you. And God says, okay, there you go, but don't kill him. Next day, he's got boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He's sitting in the ashes, scraping I'm not going to go into detail, but you can imagine just scraping those sores, trying to get some relief. Now his health is taken from him. Then Job speaks. He says something. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible says he fell on his face, shaved his head, rent his garments, and worshiped. Tell you what, right now I can tell you this, Job's a lot better Christian than me. He worshiped. Most of us would have cursed. Or we'd have said, I'm done. Or maybe we'd have looked up and said, all I did for you and this is what I get? Come on, this isn't fair. But here's what Job said. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we know Job's heart by what he said. Here's what he said. Though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. (laughs) God, if you go the next step and just finish me off, I'm still going to trust you. 
He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He said, I know I've lost a lot, but my God is still alive and my God is still in charge. Job said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. He said, I know I'm going through a trial. By the way, through, not to. There's a difference. I'm going through a trial and I'm going to be better on the other side. God's taken any impurities out of me I can't see. I'm going to be better when I get through this thing. Now, throughout Scripture, we realize this. And then I'll just give you the points to the message. All throughout Scripture, we realize that Jesus is the theme of every book of the Bible. This book, Old Testament, points to Jesus. He's coming. The New Testament points. The Gospels say he's here. The the epistles say, uh, and uh, here's what he taught. Revelation said he's coming back. So every book, if you look close enough, Jesus is there somewhere. So I want to just kind of answer this question this morning. So where is God? We're reading the book of Job. So, so where's God? Is he, is he gone? Is he on vacation? I mean, all this stuff is happening to his best servant. There's no one like Job. So where is God? Where is he? I just want to say this very publicly. He was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Well, number one, Jesus is the suffering servant. As you look at the book of Job, you see his kids are dead. His health is gone. His wealth is gone. He's at the bottom. Everything's taken away from him. I shared this with someone recently. It's a great, great verse. But it's uh, 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 in Job 1, it says, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's what God does. God gives us something. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a great job. Maybe it's a good car. Maybe it's a nice house. Maybe it's a, 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 a situation. And, and, we, and we have it. We enjoy it. Then God says, I'll take that back now. It wasn't ours to start off with. We had nothing to start off with. The Lord gave. The Lord taketh Away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Some of you are getting a little bit older and you're asking, so so why am I going through all these health issues? The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, why is this? Why did God take this away from me? The Lord gave. Hey, God is always good. I can't always explain why he does what he does, but he is good. He knows what's best for us. He sees the whole plan. You see, Job didn't see this contest. Job didn't see Satan coming to God and and this spiritual attack. All Job knew was what he saw. He didn't see the unseen world. But we see Job suffered more than any person in the Bible except our Savior. And so the suffering servant, Jesus can say, hey, I was beaten. My beard was plucked. My head had a crown of thorns. It was beaten in my head. My hands and feet were pierced. My face was beaten. My beard was plucked. And on top of all of that physical pain, then there was the emotional pain. He's looking off the cross, seeing his mother. 
He's looking and he's seeing uh, Judas in the distance that ended his life after he betrayed him. He's, he's looking and all his disciples but one has forsaken him and fled. Hey, where's the people he healed? Where's the people he fed? Where's the people he did all the miracles for? It's a jeering crowd and they're laughing and mocking. If you're the son of God, why don't you come off the cross? You're a fake, you're a liar. There was the emotional pain, then the spiritual pain. God took the, uh, uh, the sin of every person who would ever be born, past, present, future, even yours and mine, and he added up the hell that we deserve for rejecting him as our savior and the sins that we've done and the commands we've broken. And he took the hell of everyone who ever lived or ever would live, and he put the hell, the pain on Jesus, those six hours on the cross. No one ever suffered like Jesus Christ. And he didn't leave it. He didn't quit. He said, it is finished. He paid the debt. So we see in the story of Job, Jesus did show up because it's a picture of who Job is, the one that suffered more than anyone has ever, ever suffered. There's someone that's been through more than you and they made it. Right now, some of you are going through horrendous trials. Some are, some are emotional. Some are things of the past. Some, the trial in the valley as you see a storm coming. Some it's physical, some it's emotional, some it's past abuse. But whatever it is, God says, someone went through that and they made it. And you can too. Oh yes, you can. Well, no one's ever been through. Oh yeah, there's someone been through the same that you've been through and they passed the test with flying colors. How come? God was present. Number two, we see a second appearance, and this may look a little strange here. We see that Job, Job had some friends that showed up. You know the story. They call them miserable comforters. It says in 2.11, uh, now when Job's three friends heard of all the evil that was come upon him, they came. And it says, they came together to come and mourn him and to comfort him. When they saw him, they couldn't recognize him. They lift up their voice and wept. Job was grieving so much. When his friends looked at him, they said, that's not Job, is it? They couldn't recognize him. When they looked and they saw all the sores and the 10 little burial plots and where him and his wife were living now, they just wept. Let me encourage you, be a comforter. When people are going through trials and tough times, you can come, you can show up. They would have been heroes if they had just shown up. They came with the right purpose to comfort. They did weep. Sometimes that's all people need. You can't cure their problems, but you can show up. Every time we have a funeral here, let me encourage you, you ought to come if you know the person or not. You say, how come? Just people being there encourages people. And you may not understand how they feel, but you can say, been praying for you been praying for it. You can weep a tear. You can shake their hand. You can hug them. And so we see. You say, well, pastor, what in the world does this mean? Uh, there were three friends that showed up that Job never saw. Know who they were? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. That was the three unseen friends that showed up. You see, there's something called the Trinity. I don't understand it. But there's God the Father. There's God the Son. We'll never see the Father because He is a spirit. We'll never see the Son. We will see the Son because Jesus came to the earth. He's got a body. We'll never see the Spirit 
But all three are one. I wonder how the conversation must have been after Job lost all these things. Maybe the father said, hey, I've got a plan. Let's go down and help him. And then maybe Jesus said, Father, I know how he feels because I'm gonna one day be crucified. I already know how he feels. And then maybe the Holy Spirit said, I know how to comfort him. Let's go. And I just want you to know as you're going through the deepest, darkest valleys of your life, God is showing up there with the purpose to comfort you. The word comfort just means alongside of. He never wants you to go through it alone. A non-Christian goes through every trial alone. A Christian goes through every trial with God. No, never alone. You say, well, how does he comfort us, pastor? How does God comfort a hurting heart? Several ways. One, by his scriptures. The book of Psalms, it says, and we are comforted by the comfort of the scriptures. The greatest pillow to pillow your head on is the word of God. As you read it, I would encourage you the book of Psalms. I would encourage you the book of Job. I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation and just see how it's all gonna turn out. It will comfort you. It's God's word. I'm not against a psychologist. Maybe if you need one, a psychiatrist from time to time, if somehow you need one, but I'm saying the permanent comfort is gonna be right here. Second, how, how does God comfort? He comforts by his presence. By his presence. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How does he comfort? He also comforts by getting us to look toward the future. I just want to say this, if you've ever talked to someone who's thinking about ending their life, one of the greatest things you can do is try to get them to look toward the future. Hey, it's not always going to be this way. What you're going through, it's not always going to be this way. The future is bright as God's promises. God's got a big plan. It's not over. Sometimes when people fail, they feel like, well, everybody knows. And I'm a failure. And I might as well end it. No, 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 no. No, God's got a future. There's life after failure. There's life after bankruptcy. There's life after divorce. There's life after a death and grief. There's more life to live. So we see Jesus shows up. He's the suffering uh, servant. Uh, Number two, the Trinity shows up to comfort Job. And then last, God shows up as the rewarder. In Job chapter 42, you say, pastor doesn't have any stories today. They're all tonight. So Job chapter 42, and I just love this. I love the last chapter of Job. It's got to be one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Here's where God shows up and here's what he says. I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. You know, God never owes anybody. He pays well. He pays top wages. He's not, as we would use the word, a cheapskate. In Job 42, I just love it. just want to highlight a couple of these things. Job is starting to ask God a lot of questions. So, so Lord, now, now I'm just wondering, so, so this and this and this and this and this. You ever have questions through your valleys? Why did God allow this? And how come this happened? And, and I did this and only bad came. And I did good and evil came. Uh, why all this? So God shows up in chapter 38 and 39. And God says, I got some questions for you, Job. 
You got a few questions for me? God said, I got a few for you. Here they are. Where were you when I spoke the universe into existence? (laughs) Where were you when I made the seas and I made all the stars? Where were you, Job? (laughs) You weren't even born yet. Hey, Job, you understand the migration of the birds, why they fly south for the winter? You understand gravity. You understand uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the Gulf Stream and the currents of the water. You understand the, the tides that the moon causes. You understand uh, the force of gravity. And he starts asking Job all these questions. You understand how crocodiles uh, 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 live? You understand the peacock? And, I mean, God starts, I mean, it's geology, it's geometry, it's biology, it's zoology. God just fires these questions. Say, how come? Because God is big. During the trials of life, we need to focus not on how come these things happen. We need to focus on the bigness of God. When you have a big God, you'll make it through your trial. I want all the teenagers looking this way. Hey, hey, hey. When you have a big God, you'll make it through your trials. You can make it through the tough times. He's bigger than your present distress. He's bigger than your past failures. He is bigger than your future problems. He is bigger. And then we see in chapter 42, notice what God calls him. And I love it. Chapter 42, verse eight, God says, uh, go to my servant, Job. Let's stop for a second. You said, pastor, how long did this story take? How long was Job in this trial? It lasted one year. 42 chapters. It was a one-year trial. But guess what? Now, think of this. Here's Job. He's scraping himself, boils, lost his kids, no business. His wife's mad. She snapped. Guess what God calls Job? My servant, Job. But wait a minute. He's not doing anything. He's not preaching. He's He's not helping anybody. He's sitting there scraping his sores. How is he my servant, Job? Here it is. When you're suffering, you're serving. God looked at Job and said, all you can do is sit there and cry and suffer. That's all you have energy to do. But as long as you do it with the right attitude, I'll take that as service. Thank you for serving Some of you have been serving and feeling like, I can't do anything. I've gotten so old, I can't drive a bus. I can't do this. But just going through your trials with the right attitude, God says, hey, have you noticed my servant? And he's called your name. I love that thought. Then I love this. It says, verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job What do you mean the captivity? He wasn't a slave. No, he was captive with his problems. You ever been there? You ever woke up and first thing you thought about was all your problems? You ever wake up and all you thought about all day was your failures or maybe the past or some difficulty or a physical pain or something you're fearful of and it just captivates you? It says, God turned the captivity of Job. Guess when when it ended? When he prayed for his friends. The moment Job got his mind off of his difficulties. 
and got his mind on someone else that had problems, God says, okay, it's over. Sometimes I'll tell people with problems, I'll say, have you seen Brother Schulte in the hospital lately? No, but pastor, do you know what I'm going to? Go visit Brother Schulte in the hospital. Well, how's that going to help? It'll make you forget your problems. Go up to UC Davis Medical Center and look at a man with 80% burns on his body named Jerome Serrano. Look at all the skin grafts. See his ears. See what his nose looks like. See the eyelashes that are now missing and he can't blink his eyes. Yet, on the telephone last week, he said, I love you, Pastor. I can't wait to get back to church. I just want to do something for God. I want to write a book. I want my testimony to go around the world. I want everyone to hear my story. You know what he's doing? He's serving. He's in the burn unit. He can't even stand up, but he's serving. How does the trial end? You start praying for people other than yourself that have needs. I love it. Then I love this too. Verse 11, they're a little bit late on the draw. Then came there unto him all his brethren and his sisters. So Job had brothers and sisters. And all they that had been his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house, they bemoaned him and comforted him. Hey, after a year, where have they been? Job's been in this trial a year. Now his relatives just now show up. <laughs> he probably paid their rent. He probably bought them groceries through the years. He probably funded their birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. Where were they? I don't know. If you don't work with people a lot, sometimes you do feel awkward. Someone has lost a loved one. You say, I don't even know what to say. I'm not going to call. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to show up. You feel awkward. Sometimes people are diagnosed with a terrible disease and you see them and you don't know what to say. Maybe they just kind of backed off because they didn't know what to do. Maybe they judged him and thought, well, look all he's going through. Probably he must be wicked and God's just judging him. I don't know, but after a year, they looked and they said, God wasn't judging him. We don't know why it happened. Let's encourage him. And guess what they do? They show up and give him money. That's what it said. They gave him a piece of money. He got back on his feet, started his business again. You know, you can encourage people by your prayer. Sometimes you can encourage someone by some president pictures and not George Washington. You heard about these two bills, $100 bill and a $1 bill talking? True story. The $100 bill looked at the one. He said, I hadn't seen you in a long time. Where, where you been? He said, hey, $100 bill, I hadn't seen you in a long time. Where you been? He said, you know, casinos, Las Vegas, resorts, vacations, cruises. He looked at the one and says, where you been? He goes, you know, church to church to church to church to church. You'll get it later. (laughs) Hey, turn that flashing light on again. (laughs) Oh, brother. Only here. And look at this. Verse 15. In all the land, let me see, uh, verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. 
He had seven sons and three daughters. Know what God did? God gave him all the stuff back that he lost. Let his wife be 90 months pregnant. Again, she shouldn't have said that, curse God and die. 90 more months. Had 10 more kids. God says, I'm going to give you back twice what you had. God is great at rewarding his servants. Then I love this little verse here. Verse 16, after this. What do you mean? After what? After the trial. After this lived Job 140 years. And saw his sons, his sons' sons, even four generations. He lived long enough to see his great-grandkids. After this. Let me encourage you again this morning. You're going through a trial. You're facing some difficulties. Jesus Christ is there to comfort. He has suffered. He's been there. And he is there to reward. It will end. It will end. When's that ever going to end, Pastor? It'll end here or it'll end there. It's not something you'll carry for all eternity. It'll end here or it's going to end there. My daddy had very terrible memories of his life when he was younger. A lot of, a lot of terrible things he did. He carried that with him throughout his life. A lot of guilt, so a lot of depression. A lot of sad memories, a lot of bad memories, wicked memories. You say, well, when did that end? When he breathed his last breath and walked through the streets of gold. And Jesus said, welcome home, Tom. I'm sure glad you're here. All those memories disappeared. After this, there's life after that. Hey, hey, teenager, you messed up in school. Okay, get over it. There's life after that. You had a child out of wedlock. Okay, there's life after that. Well, I was incarcerated, pastor. There's life after jail. Well, I'm an addict and I'm clean only three days. There's life after addiction. Job's trial lasted a year. And here we are, thousands of years later, we're being encouraged by his response. I'll end with this. If you've got non-Christian friends, sometimes what God will do, he'll let you go through an incredible valley. One that normal people couldn't go through. So he can give you the microphone. Because now people that never listened to you before, they want to hear what you have to say. Because they see your joy They see your trust in the Lord. Now they're ready to hear about your God. Not why you're going through good times. Is it worth to go through the valley so non-Christian friends will listen? It is. It is. Well, thank you, Brother Job. We appreciate your advice to us today.